Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Do you have your Bible out there? Let's hold them high to heaven and say, Thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what the word says I have. I am what the word says I am. I can do what the word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God for this precious holy word. Amen. Amen. Praise God. This morning I want to talk to you about the swagger of faith. I had all kinds of things rolling around in me since Thursday. But the Lord just kind of settled in on me and came up with this. Is that okay? The swagger of faith. Well, what's a swagger? Well, the swagger is to walk or talk with confidence. To live and behave aggressively. In other words, I'm not going to sit back and take it from the enemy any longer. I'm going to put on my swagger of faith, praise God, and rise up and conquer my promised land. Can you say amen? Amen. Anybody ever hear of A.B. Simpson? Some of you have. A few of you have. A.B. Simpson uh, lived 1843, I believe, 1919. And he was a Presbyterian minister. But way back, his testimony goes like this. He as a Presbyterian minister was called on by someone to go visit their son who was an adult who was in a coma and dying. And that was just it. He was dying. Well the mother was concerned about his salvation and eternal well-being. And asked if Brother Simpson who was a Presbyterian minister at the time would go there and pray with him. At least that God can give her a moment to talk to him about his salvation before he died. Well... Brother Simpson went there, prayed with him, and before he left the room, not only did he come out of the coma, not only was he able to talk to his mother, but he got completely healed. Well, with his background, they didn't really believe much in divine healing at all. So what happened was he told some others about this event that took place, the testimony but there was a, a local doctor that talked to him and just said, no, it's not for today. It's not divine healing. And it kind of explained it away. So he backed off of the subject and didn't teach on divine healing anymore. Well, when he was 46 years old, he was given a death sentence. They said at age 46, he had a heart condition that was so severe that he had six months left to live. Well, now he decided, well, six months left to live He took a leave of absence from his church. And his church was the largest Presbyterian church. I think it was Louisville, Kentucky. At the time, the largest church in the nation. He took a leave of absence. 
and he went to a farm where he got alone with God. You talk about thank God for his holy written word. He got alone with God, opened up his Bible, and he began to study the subject of healing for himself. After two weeks, he concluded that indeed healing is offered and provided for in the Bible. He read all the many passages of scripture after, of course, viewing the life of Jesus in the gospels. You can't help but to conclude he healed everyone that came to him. And as a result, he said at the end of two weeks, not only do I believe that healing is for today, Lord, I receive my healing for my heart condition. I just receive it and I thank you for it now. And not only do I thank you for that, but I promise you I will now include the gospel of healing along with the gospel of salvation and say it's all inclusive. And so he promised the Lord that everywhere he would go and all his messages and what he would preach, he would include the fact that also God heals today. So he went back and he was invited to go to a luncheon where he was the keynote speaker. And while he was delivering his message, he did exactly what he told the Lord he would do. He preached the gospel message of salvation. He preached healing. He explained how he believed he received his healing, even though he had no evidence whether or not he did. He just said, based on the word of God, that's what the word of God says. And so I believe I receive it. When he got done with the meeting, then those other men that were there at the meeting said, well, then brother, we want you to come with us. We're going mountain climbing. And at first he said the thought hit him, mountain climbing? You just believed you received healing for your heart condition. How are you going to go mountain climb with your heart condition? He said that thought came, came into my mind, but I, I thought about it just for a moment. And I rebuked it and said, no, if I believe I receive my healing, I receive my healing. Okay, let's go. I'll go mountain climbing with you. Got his backpack together and took off. And they were just starting to climb the mountain. He says, I started to climb that mountain. I had thoughts come into my mind that were distracting me from the word of God. And I started feeling symptoms in my chest that I had before. He said, but then the moment they came, I would then go back to the word of God and say, no, but by straps, I'm healed. But by straps, I'm healed. I'd go further. Same thing would happen if I got my mind off the word. I start saying again, by straps, I'm healed. By straps, I'm healed. This went on all the way up the mountain. He got to the mountaintop and declared that he was victorious over this thing. All his symptoms left and he was completely healed of the heart condition. He lived for 30 more years serving the Lord, preaching and teaching that he saves, heals, delivers, and sets free. And he wrote a book called, it's A.B. Simpson's book, The Gospel of Healing. I think it's still in print. You can probably get it. I think I have a copy of it. But it's a very good book on the subject of divine healing and health. He saw a need to maintain your swagger of faith. Because you see, when you and I live our life upon this earth, we need to recognize that God more than anything else is a faith God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those that what? Diligently seek him. The Bible says we can't overcome the world without faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We are told to do what? Be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. The just shall live by faith. We fight the good fight of faith. We resist the devil in our faith. And the list goes on and on. So with all these statements from the Bible that we just mentioned here, it's important that we understand the need for us to maintain our swagger of faith. If we're going to overcome and if we're going to please God in our lives. Because we have a lot of challenges. And you know, when these challenges come, have you ever been challenged since you've been born again? Anybody here? I should say, has anyone not been challenged since you've been born again? We've all been challenged, haven't we? 
And so when you're challenged time and time again, it's easy for us to lose our faith swagger. You realize that? Let me give another example. You watch this, this star player, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever. And they've got a swagger about them, confidence. It means you're, you're confident in what you can do. But you'll notice that sometimes they get into a rut. And when they get into that rut, what do they lose? Their swagger. They lose that confidence. You can see they're apprehensive with their shot when they go to shoot. Or when they're up to bat, they're concerned about striking out. And they're in this kind of a rut. They lost that swagger. That confidence isn't there. And you know, they got to get through it to get it back and press on through it. So it happens in every walk of life. You can lose uh, your train of thought, for example, when it comes, if you're a writer, you can have a writer's block. You've kind of lost it. You know what I mean? You've lost that swagger, that confidence that I can get something and put it on paper, etc. In every walk of life, you can lose your swagger. Well, God wants us to be aware of this and do everything we possibly can to see to it that we get our swagger back and I believe that's why we're supposed to be here today with other people of like precious faith why so we can encourage each other in the Lord and get that swagger back because every one of us undoubtedly is without question challenged in this life now I want you to see something here about Paul's swagger Did you know that Paul lived his life with a faith swagger about him? Sure. When it came to, let's for example, his belief in God. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. What he believed. We've got to maintain a faith swagger when it comes to what we believe. We having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written. I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. You say where's the swagger in that? You gotta understand where this man's coming from. We have to understand he is speaking to people of his day that are coming out of Judaism and being attacked. Him being attacked as well for what? For what he believes. I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. No one's gonna attack you for that here where you sit. But back then, you talk about these ruling religious leaders that wanted him dead, that wanted to kill him, but he did not hold back. Here was his swagger. I believe in the things of God. I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I believe he came in the flesh. I believe he shed his blood. I believe he suffered and died. And I believe that God the Father raised him from the dead. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was not holding back. He walked with a swagger, a confidence to speak out and proclaim the truth of God. Word, no matter how people received it or whether or not they wanted to persecute him for it. Secondly, what about his swagger with regard to his persecutions that he encountered? Look at 2 Corinthians also and what it says. Chapter 4 We are pressed down on every side by troubles. Well, you might think that's pessimistic, that's, that's kind of dark, but he doesn't stop there. But we are not crushed. Have you been troubled? Have you experienced some difficulties? Is the enemy trying to come and and do what? Press down on your life and put pressure upon you? He says, yeah, we're pressed down too. But we're not crushed, praise God. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh, the pressure might be much, but I'm not 
crushed, I refuse to be crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Praise God, I'm getting back up. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus Christ. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. In other words, all this pressure the devil's putting on me is letting the glory come out. Praise God. Letting the power come out of my life. And so that was his faith swagger. That was his attitude that he had. And then also, in the book of Philippians, when it comes to his particular needs, think about his needs and how Paul lived his life. We can't even imagine living the way he did. You realize that? We've got everything at our fingertips. But man, I'll tell you what, he had to believe God for everything. Look at what he said. Not that I was, this is from the New Living Translation, not that I was ever in need for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it's with a full stomach or empty or with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Hallelujah. You talk about a swagger there. A faith swagger. It says, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter if what I have food on my plate. doesn't matter. I know how to believe God. I know how to live by faith. I'll tell you what. I was listening to a particular minister on the radio. I won't mention his name. Very popular minister. But I also knew going into it, listening to some of his messages, just to feed myself. You know what I mean? To get fed. And so I'm listening to his messages because many of his messages are, are very good, inspiring, and uplifting. So I'm listening to his message knowing that he's against what we call the faith message. He's against the word of faith. And I've heard him say before, all these people that say, name it, claim it, grab it, blab it, and all that stuff. He, I know he's against all that, right? So I'm just driving down, mind my own business that we normally do. And as I'm going, I hear him talking about you can't serve God and fulfill his will for your life on your own. You can't do it in your own strength. If you try to do it in your own strength, you're incapable of doing it. You need help from above. You need divine intervention. You actually need the strength of God in order for you to fulfill what God's called you to do. Then he said, this strength doesn't come automatically. You've got to claim it by faith. I about slammed on my brakes, jumped out of my car, I was going to run to a payphone, get out a dime, stick it in, get on the phone, and call if I could call and just say, have you changed your position, or are you being hypocritical? Because those that teach you got to claim it by faith are not saying name it, claim it. We're saying claim what God provided for you by faith. You want saved? Declare it and claim it. You want healed? Get a hold of it and claim it. Say that it's mine, it belongs. Because it doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't come by osmosis. It doesn't just happen. You got to get a hold of it. You got to lay a hold of eternal life. We're into your cult and profess a good profession before many witnesses. Can you see that? But I tell you what, I was just shocked and amazed that he would even make that statement after putting down, claiming it by faith. You see? But it's true. If you want strength, you just can't sit back and mumble and crumble and complain and just say, I'm so weak. Let the weak say, I'm strong. In the Lord and the power of his might. Now, I love this one. Brother John Osteen. Brother John Osteen. I just love Brother John Osteen. I listened to Brother John Osteen when I was uh, younger in the faith. When I was at Raymond Bible Training Center, I was sitting in the auditorium and I was listening to him preach. And I just loved 
brother John Osteen because we can see eye to eye both spiritually and physically actually I think I had him by a quarter of an inch so I just love the man praise God a fiery man fiery preacher fired up and he's preaching a message and he's talking about something that I want to share with you today when it comes to your faith swagger your swagger of faith he made mention of this we've got to be even like the sand along the seashore did you know that there are these examples even in nature about standing in faith well first of all we know by faith the world's refrained by the word of God so the things that are seen are not made by things appear right Hebrews 11:3, and then in Hebrews 1 3 we are told what everything that is made is upheld by the word of God's power so by faith all things were created and by faith all things are upheld right absolutely well even when it comes to nature everything in nature then is being sustained propelled by the word of God's power so faith in operation is making the world exist as it does today now go with me to Jeremiah chapter 5 beginning at verse 20 and we're going to read through verse 24 and I want to make my point declare this in the house of Jacob Jacob and publish it in Judah saying hear now this O foolish people and without understanding which have eyes and see not which have ears and hear not fear ye not me saith the Lord will ye not tremble at my presence which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass it and though the ways thereof toss themselves, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. But this people hath a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain both the former and the latter. In his season he reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. In these verses of scripture he gives us an illustration. And I can just see Brother John Osteen just standing there saying, we've got to have enough sense just like the sand along the seashore. If you ask a scientist why the waters of the ocean, you've got the high tide, the low tide, he's going to go on some, dis, some scientific dissertation as to uh, the sun and the moon and the gravitational pull upon the ocean waters and the earth, etc., etc., is the reason why we have high tide and low tide. In a sense, you can say, well, that's true. But the reason why you have that is because God, our creator, gave a perpetual decree saying the waters of the ocean will not cross the sand along the seashore. Right? Absolutely. But didn't Jesus say the storms of life will come to all of us? Didn't he say that? And even though those things have been set in motion in nature by the decree of God it's the decree of God that holds the water back by the way not just the sun and the moon and gravitational pull well since God made this decree you think the sand gets nervous when a hurricane comes do you think so no the sand doesn't get nervous I could just see him stand there just like that with that little grin on his face and just stand there no, have enough sense to do what the sand does. It just stands there. The hurricane winds blow. You got the storm surge. 
You got the waters coming, hitting you in the face, trying to bowl you over and knock you down. Coming from every direction, trying to undermine you and cause you to lose your faith swagger. And who knows, it might even over, overtake you. It's over top of you and going back behind you. And uh, maybe for the first street over, uh, notice the houses along the seashore are built on stilts so that they're up high enough so that when the water does come, it doesn't destroy the whole thing. He said, just stand there and have enough sense like the sand along the seashore. The waves are, are coming and beating, but just stand there. And when that storm comes, just stand there with bold confidence and say, you got to go back. You got to go back. You got to go back. You can't stay. You got to go back. Why? Because of the decree. Because of a decree that God gave and made, you got to go back. And what happens to the waters? They go back. Do they go back? They go back. When we're challenged, when we're attacked, when we face challenging difficulties in life, it's easy for us to become nervous, to experience worry, anxiety, fear, and fretting, and all that. And sometimes we forget. It's got to go back. It's got to go back. Get out of my body. You got to go back. Get out of my life. You got to go back. Get away from my kids. You got to go back. Stay out of my finances. You got to go back. Get out of my marriage. You got to go back. Get a hold of a decree from God's word and stand there and boldly profess and confess and declare and decree. I believe God it shall be even as it was told me as the apostle Paul said you've got to go back. You will not win. You cannot win because the word of the Lord is exalted above the circumstances of life. Hallelujah. They got to go back. Got to go back. Got to go back. And oh, what a blessing. And what a, what a swagger he had. Brother John Osteen, a, a faith swagger about him. He didn't always have it. As, as a matter of fact, as a Baptist minister, he was kind of down all the time. But he got a hold of the word of God. And he heard some messages of faith. It was just what he was looking for. And praise God. You know the story from then on. Lakewood Church. Joel Osteen today. All started with his father. Getting a hold of this word of God. Proclaiming it. Declaring it. Getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Spoke with other tongues. You never saw a Baptist speak with other tongues like Brother, Brother Osteen. Unashamedly. Oh, I'm telling you right now. Nobody had anything over on him. He may have been short in stature. But he's a lot like my wife. <laughs> Feisty. Don't try to defeat her. Amen. An overcomer. Praise God. Then you have other Bible uh, patriarchs and characters that reveal to us what it means to have a faith swagger. Look at the, the life of Caleb in, in the book of uh, Numbers. Numbers chapter 13. Caleb, you know he was sent to spy out the land. Now you've got to imagine this. You've got two and a half million people. Can you imagine if I just stood here by myself and every single one of you opposed what I had to say? And you're trying to convince me to side with you. Everyone's doing that to Caleb. We can't get in that land. There's giants in the land. There's walls in the land. They're, they're fortified. No one ever can penetrate those very walls. It's, it's impossible. You've lost your mind. We can't do it. Caleb stills the people before Moses and with his, 
swagger of faith, he says, let us go up at once and possess it for we're well able to overcome it. Why? Because God is on our side. Oh, you see, when you're overwhelmed by the situation, sometimes you can lose your faith swagger. And you mope around thinking, now what's going to happen? And you doubt yourself. You doubt your position in God. You're under guilt, condemnation. The devil comes along pulling out all the things you do wrong. You ever notice that? He knows everything that you do wrong. Everything. And he points it out to you. He shows you your weakness, your inabilities, your insecurities. And, 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 and then he heaps on guilt and condemnation. Anything you ever did that was wrong in your life, he will bring up at a time when you need to be in faith and remind you of all that garbage. Well, it's time to get your swagger back and start with him and say, devil, I know your past, I know your present, and I know your future. You try to rebel against God and you got shot down. Devil, you've been defeated by Jesus who arose victorious over you and all that you stand for. And by the way, I read the back of the book and I know your future. It doesn't look very bright. Notice how you got your eyes off of yourself and your eyes on him. And now he's going to run from you as in terror. Flee down the road. Get your faith swagger back. Stand there in the presence of the enemy. And let him know I believe God. I, be I may not feel like it. I may not look like it. But I believe God. Then look at the life of, Caleb, of, of Joshua who was the partner with Caleb. Two and a half million people telling you to go in a different direction. But notice here in Numbers chapter 14. Same situation, but here's what he says. Don't rebel against the Lord your God, neither fear ye the people of the land. They're bred for us. Talk about a swagger. They're bred for, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Hallelujah. If you're here today, maybe fear has been around your corner. Fear has been everywhere you go. Everywhere you look, in your thought life, etc., 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 God wants you to get your faith swagger back. God wants you to start listening to what His Word says, acting upon His Word, declaring His Word, and say, praise God, I fear not, for God is with me. I'm not dismayed because He is my God. He said, yea, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my right hand, praise God. Fear not, throughout all Scripture. Get a hold of that swagger back and start declaring it. You've got to go back. You've got to get out. You've got to change because God's word is unchanging. And then you've got David. I love this. This story is just one of my favorite stories. I'm sure it's yours as well. But look at 1 Samuel chapter 17 verses 45 through 47. That's a typographical error in, in, the, in there. So just to let you know it's 45 to 47 on your notes. Here's David. David minds his own business. But what you got to love about David is that he just watched his father's sheep and he developed an intimate, close relationship with the Heavenly Father in the process. His brothers go off to war and he's just minding his own business, loving God, serving God. He's got a faith swagger about him. He knows God in a very personal and intimate way. Look at this swagger of faith. A bear comes along to take a lamb. He Chases it down and kills it with his bare hands. A lion comes along. Ever been near a lion? Pretty big. What's he do? Chases it down and kills it. Now he's bringing lunch to his brothers. This time it was tacos. And he gets into the camp. 
And when he gets into the camp, he hears a Goliath of Gath spewing out venom, defying the army of the living God. And unlike all the other cowards that were there, he hears this. You see, they lost their faith swagger. And actually they go to him. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he say? And then they told David. And even the king said, anyone that defeats him, he's going to get, he's going to get money. Going to get his daughter. And he'll live tax free for the rest of his life. So he's got the honey, the money, and tax exempt. <laughs> Think about that for the rest of his life. Tax free. Got the girl. Got the money. I'm, what, what, could, what better than that? And so David says, well, is there not a cause? And so he rehearses his face swagger before all them. And even though his brothers try to put him down and make him full of doubt and unbelief, he ignores all that, maintains his faith swagger, and he gets before the king and he rehearses what he's going to do because of his past experience in God. And of course, King Saul says, go ahead and do it, probably thinking, go dig a grave somewhere because, you know, he's not going to make it. But then he stands before Goliath. You talk about the, if you want to say in the natural, a reason to fear. He's almost 11 feet tall, between 9 and 11 feet. I can understand if he was 11 feet, but 9 feet, you know, I'm a little iffy. <laughs> Anyhow, you know how he was, a warrior from his youth. Right? So imagine this, and he is spewing out venom to David. Who are you, some little kid with a stick in your, or a sling in your hand or whatever? Who are you? You come at me like a dog. What's the matter with you? You think you're going to fight me? Oh, come on. And he spewed out his venom. But David said, everybody say David said. This is your faith swagger. See, what matters is what came out of his mouth that was in his heart based on a personal, intimate relationship with God, knowing the mind of God, knowing the will of God, knowing the word of God, and knowing the covenant that he had with God, with a renewed mind, praise God, to the things of God, he said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the army of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take your head from you. I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord says, not with a sword and not with a spear, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Whew. Would you call that a swagger? Hmm. Yes, that's more than floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. <laughs> Remember how Muhammad Ali had that swagger about him? Can't beat me. Confidence going into the ring. Well, David was confident going into the ring, but not based on his ability, not based on his strength, but based on the fact that the Lord is greater than every enemy we face. And the Lord has promised, I will fight for you, and I will defend you. Hallelujah. Praise God Almighty. Then you got the three Hebrew boys. I just love all these. You talk about it. You want to get your faith swagger back? Just go over some of these stories, these wonderful testimonies. Look in the book of Daniel, chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
we're told if you don't bow and if you don't worship the image that was made, you will burn in a fiery furnace. And who is the God that can deliver you out of my hand is the question of the king. And of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not even careful to answer this, this in this matter. If it be so that you throw us into the furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Oh, don't you love that confidence? Don't you just love that swagger about them? Go ahead, go ahead, throw us in, and he will deliver us out. And what happened? He threw them in. Who appeared? Jesus, along with them. You see, our God is a faith God. And faith is believing God's word and acting on God's word. And the primary action of faith is to proclaim it, declare it, decree it, and then act like it's so. And that's exactly what they did. And what happened? God delivered them. God set them free. See, sometimes, as I said, we get challenged in this life and we lose our faith swagger and we're under oppression and under circumstances that contradict the word of God. And if we're not mindful, we can succumb to it. But that's why you've got to come to church. That's why you've got to get prayer partners. That's why you've got to get people of like precious faith that you know will encourage you in the word of God to rise up and start saying, it's time to get your faith swagger back. It's time to declare what the word of God says to be true and start walking in the light of it once again. Now, also, you look at the uh, life of Jesus. You've got to love his faith swagger. How about this? He's sleeping in the boat. That storm is so bad and it's raging and they think they're going to perish. They're going to die. We're going to sink and you don't care. They have to wake him up. They have to wake him up. What? Have you ever been on a boat being tossed with the wind like in the waves and all that? How was he asleep? Pretty sound sleeper, wouldn't you say? So they wake him up. Don't you care that we perish? He gets up. Peace be still. How come you people don't have any faith? Oh. Wasn't shaking at all, was he? But look in John chapter 2 and verse 19. They want a sign. They want a sign to know who he is. Well, Jesus answered and said to them, well, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. The next verse says, it took 46 years to build this temple, and you're talking about raising it up in what, three days? But he spoke the temple of his body. And they didn't realize that. But he spoke with a, with a swagger about him. He believed. This sickness is not unto death. He said about Lazarus when he got sick. But for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. And then he went before the tomb of Lazarus. And what did he do? Father I know you heard me. But for these people that are here. I'm going to say it out loud so they can hear it. Lazarus come out. Mm, what confidence. What boldness. Hallelujah. And then you've got to love this woman. You've got to love this Syrophoenician woman. You've got to love this Canaanite woman. Because you see, she's facing a difficult situation in Matthew's gospel, chapter 15. Her daughter is, is tormented by a devil, has this devil. We don't know because we live in this country where you don't see as much possession as you do in other countries. But can you imagine having a child that is demon possessed? Hard to imagine. The one fella, the one uh, boy that, whose father came to Jesus, my son is grievously vexed of this devil. And he was crying out for help. 
He tries to commit suicide daily, throwing himself into the fire, trying to drown himself. Can you imagine living with someone like that 24-7? Where you've got to have a watch. Can you imagine this mother and what she was, what she felt, how spent she was trying to watch her daughter suffer like this at the hands of a demon spirit that was ravaging her body and using it for his own good? And she's crying out. She's crying out to Jesus for help. And Jesus says, look, Ma'am, I can understand your, your situation, but it's really not right for me to give the children's bread and cast it to a dog like you. And you would think right there, would just, she'd take that tail of hers between her legs and just walk on home. But then, no, 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 she put on her faith swagger. And she said, she came and worshiped saying, yeah, Lord, help me. He answered and said, it's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. You realize that she could have stopped before that statement and she could have just said, oh, I'm so sorry I bothered you. I've stopped you from what you're doing. You've got an important work to do and all that. And I just delayed it because of my being here. She said, no, dogs can eat the crumbs. I don't want the loaf. Give me the crumb. I'll take it. Great is thy faith. Beat unto you even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. In Mark's uh, example, his gospel, he said, Jesus said, woman, for your saying, for that saying, the devil's gone out of your daughter. Just think about that. When you get your faith swagger on and you speak what the word of God says, for your saying, the devil is gone from your daughter. And I could say it like this. For what we've been saying, that situation was halted by the hand of God so that your children, grandchildren would not be touched or hurt in Jesus' mighty name. And you can say that accident was averted and avoided because of what you've been saying and declaring God's word over whoever's life when they go off in a car or whatever they do. You see, it's important that we recognize the need for us to have our swagger of faith on continuously, proclaiming what the word says with power because we know that God will always watch over it to make it good. And we are going to get challenges every day of our life. Now, concerning our faith and concerning our swagger, God wants us to walk with a faith swagger. With regard to your salvation, are you saved by grace through faith? Do you know you're saved? You understand that you're saved? You living like you're saved? You acting like you're saved? You're walking like you're saved? You're talking like you're saved? I'm born again, spirit filled, faith walking, tongue talking, armor bearing, love practicing, devil resisting, living epistle of the living Christ, read and known of all men. I'm not just barely saved. I'm saved and washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm not in and out, in and out, back and forth and back and forth. I'm serving God, living for God. You've got that faith swagger. What makes you different in the workplace when they look at you and you just say, it's Jesus that makes me different? What makes you so confident? when you face this, things in this world it's Jesus that gives me that confidence that's how God wants us to live with a faith swagger and what about when we face impossibilities it's easy to get down when we face impossible situations for all of us because we're all human right and, and it wars against our mind doesn't it well the Bible says that all things are possible with God but it doesn't stop there it says all things are possible to him that believe it God wants us to get our faith swagger back and start saying it might look impossible in the natural but with God all things are possible and it's, it's possible for me because I believe this is what you said Jesus and so I believe I'm just going to throw caution to the wind I'm going to reject every thought and imagination that contradicts it I'm going to say my impossibility is made possible through you and my believing 
Hallelujah. I believe to see your glory in this situation. And the next one, it comes also uh, to our sanctification. And sometimes people have difficulty with this. As I said earlier, the devil knows you have shortcomings and faults and all that. Jesus never said you're going to be perfect in the flesh. But let me tell you this. What the devil doesn't want you to know is this. Jesus is your sanctification. Jesus is your holiness. He made you holy when he birthed you, praise God, into his kingdom. And when he washed you in his blood, he made you holy, set apart, sanctified by his sacrifice. That's positional sanctification. And you're walking it out. You're not going to be able to be perfect overnight, just like a child doesn't grow up overnight. But you know what? Start declaring it. He's my sanctification. And when you miss the mark, guess what? Just repent and ask God to forgive you. Okay? So walk with the swagger of faith that knows you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. And then when it comes to obstacles that we face in life. Obstacles can be like a mountain of adversity that stops us from progressing forward and getting into our promised land. And we all face obstacles. And do you know what Jesus said to do to the obstacle? What did he say to do to the mountain? He said to speak to the mountain. Talk to the mountain. Not being intimidated by it. Be like the sand along the seashore. You're not intimidated by it. But speak to the mountain get out of my life get out of my body the word of the Lord says this it is written it is written and keep on declaring what the word says why is that important look at the different images that the word gives the Bible reveals to us about the word itself the images revealed to us in scripture first of all the word is like a sword it's like a sword a two-edged sword, we're told in Hebrews 4.12. And what does it do? It cuts. It cuts away the chaff from our lives. It destroys the work of Satan himself. Get a hold of the word of God and use it as a sharp two-edged sword. And then he talked about how it also is a light, a lamp to our feet and a light. It's a light that what? Guides us along the path of life. And then also, it's compared to food. It's, it gives us an image of food. It nourishes us. Remember Jesus said man doesn't live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And remember he said in 1 Peter 2, Peter, Peter said it this way. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. So it's like nourishment. It nourishes us. And so when we think about the word of God, he said it's like a seed that you plant into your life that has the seed of life and it will grow and cause you to grow in the things of God. Then he says in, in 2 Corinthians, it's like a mirror or in James as well, it's like looking into a mirror and you see yourself in the mirror of God's word and what happens? You're changed into that image from glory to glory by the spirit of almighty God. But then it's like a fire. The word he said is like a fire. It's like a fire in your bones. It's a fire that does what? It, it can consume. It's a consuming fire. It can purge and cleanse. It's a fire that sparks what? A wildfire and it spreads. It's a fire. The word's like a fire. I don't know about you, but I hear myself preaching the word of God. I'm getting on fire more and more right now just by hearing the word, aren't you? It's doing something in me. But then next one, look at the next one. It is a hammer. It's like a hammer. I shared this in the healing class. Look at Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. It is like a hammer as, as well as a fire. Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Listen to that. It's like a hammer that breaks 
the rock in pieces. I think we miss it because we think it's going to do it with just one hit. When I lived in Chippewa, <laughs> I had a, we were going to add it on, onto our house and had a, a cement slab in the back. And I didn't realize how thick this slab was. And so I began to start the work on my own. And I had myself, my, you know, I, I'm just not one of those that has all kind of stuff. So I had this like eight pound sledge. I should have had a 16 pound sledge for the job. But I had it. I started using it. And I started whacking away at that cement slab. Little did I know, this guy was a, I, I guess I, should, I don't have the right word for him. I don't want to say a bad word for him. But he was, I was out there. Because this slab wasn't one of those normal size. It was like cement. Slab. Thick. Real thick. I'm whacking that thing. A little piece breaks off. I'm whacking that thing. I'm whacking that thing. I'm whacking that thing. I'm chipping away and chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. And I'm telling you, I've got these calluses forming. I've got blisters forming. I'm whacking away and whacking away and whacking away and whacking away. You know, finally I got that whole thing out. And I thought, okay, that's part one. We got rid of that slab. Now what we're going to do is I'm going to dig the foundation. And that's that's the easy part, I thought. I thought. So I start digging the foundation. I go down about four inches, I hit shale. Now I got the pick. I'm whacking away and whacking away and whacking away. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. And I'm going like about 30 feet or more. You know, but I just, you just keep on whacking away and whacking away and whacking away and whacking away. And finally, you finally get done with the project and you whack your way all the way through to the end. The word is like a hammer. Keep on hammering that mountain by speaking the word of God to it and saying, in Jesus' name, you got to go. You've got to remove. You cannot stay. Keep on saying it and saying it and hammering away and hammering away and hammering away. Hallelujah. You ever hear the expression, you hit the nail on the head? What does that mean? You're making the point, right? Well, like a hammer, you can use it to make the point as well. So what point are you making? The point I'm making is this. I believe the God I serve is bigger than the problem I'm facing. And I'm going to start speaking what God said about that situation until that situation. I'm making my point until you bow your knee to the name of Jesus. Bow your knee to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I know it's easier said than done. But that's why it's called a fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Keep your faith swagger on and declare it, praise God, proclaim it, and, and believe God. Now, in conclusion, it's, it's, it's whether it's healing, whether it is, but in conclusion, it's easy for us to lose our faith edge and our faith swagger. You realize that? It's very easy for that to happen. Because like I said, every time you look, you're facing all kinds of different situations in life. But if you find yourself in that situation, get a copy of this CD. Play it. Listen to it. It just, just do what the, uh, Brother Simpson did. Get alone with God and just flood your soul with it until you get your swagger back. You get a hold of the Bible for yourself. You see what it says and start declaring it to be true on your behalf and keep hammering away until the mountain's gone. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you.
And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.